to left corner to Aguila. Aguila to the left circle. Passing to Yell with shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three bounce. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg. All right, we are underway on this Tuesday, September 19th. Welcome to our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Training camp week is underway in the NHL. We're getting emails from different teams. Training camp rosters being announced. Yes, Week one of main training camps underway across the league. we got a busy, busy hour coming up for you, including chatting with the new color voice of the Calgary Flames. We'll do that uh, a little bit later on this hour, but we're kicking off the hour by saying hello to our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Good way to kick off this hour. Frank from Daily Faceoff and dailyfaceoff.com joins us right now. Hello, Frankie. How are we doing on this Tuesday? Uh, pretty good, Mr. Steinberg. How are you? Doing all right and uh, ready to rock. Are you? Uh, does it feel like? Uh, does it feel like the season's already underway for you, or is is now a pretty good time <laughs> to dial in for the next eight months? Yeah, I'd say the stressors of the season were in full force with the Mike Babcock stuff happening over the last week, which is amazing because we didn't even make it to training camp opening <laughs> before we had a major scandal and news. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm ready to go. Feels like we're, we're in that, uh, in that mode. Not like quite yet. Obviously you're just starting to see some, some rookie games and stuff, but I mean, you've got the Kings and Coyotes down under and they're going to have their preseason game early, uh, Friday, Saturday morning, Friday night, but we're getting closer. Where, uh, I, I guess let's start with the news of the week in the weekend. And that was Mike Babcock. We talked last week, so a week ago, this was just starting to pick up some steam, and we weren't sure what the ultimate fate was going to be a week ago on Tuesday, and now one week later, Babcock has resigned. So as you were following this one, Frank, when when did it start looking like him resigning was the eventual outcome here? When did it start looking like it was moving towards him not being the coach of the Blue Jackets anymore? Um, really Thursday was when we kind of got the first indication behind the scenes when Ron Hainsey and Marty Walsh from the NHL Players Association traveled to Columbus. They were in Vegas on Wednesday for the player media tour. And the indications then were kind of along the lines of what the statement that was issued from the Blue Jackets and um, Boone Jenner their experiences were kind of similar to that. It, it was, you know, not quite nefarious, maybe a little bit weird, but um, definitely to them, at least Johnny Gaudreau as well. Some of the vets not, um, you know, not characterized the same way as um, what spit and chicklets had relayed. However, Um, when those guys got to Columbus and began to speak to players and then subsequently the veterans uh, got to hear from the young players in that room, um, it was pretty eye-opening in terms of what they had gone through and it didn't line up. 
And so the PA knew right then that they had a pretty serious issue to deal with on their hands. Okay. And then took that information the next day on Friday to New York uh, to meet with Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, at which point they presented those findings. And it was really only a matter of how then. It wasn't, you know, if. It was how will Mike Babcock exit Columbus? Is it resignation? Is it firing? Whatever the situation might call for. And then you had that negotiation that took place over the weekend. So the initial statement that came out was, you know, Mike Babcock was very offended by the the allegations and Boone Jenner poured cold water on it. I, how how come it escalated? So so you you mentioned the the NHLPA going to Columbus. I know that uh, I know that Biz and and Spit and Chicklets have talked a lot about younger players coming forward and that kind of pushing this narrative along. Like how how did this escalate to the point where it became clear this this was going to be the case? Because the way that Mike Babcock treated the young players in that organization, we're talking 18, 19, 20 year old guys that have are really just breaking into the league. And you're dealing with a coach who's won Olympic gold medals and a Stanley cup and is on a, was on a hall of fame type track. Mm -hmm. There was a power dynamic in place where he was making them do things that they weren't comfortable with, such as basically handing over their phone and having him scroll through it for four to five minutes And I'm told that there's other things that happened. I don't know what those are and I don't want to speculate, but there was other incidents and issues that had popped up already that really made people uncomfortable with how Mike Babcock was leveraging that power dynamic that, you know, really it it made it clear that he couldn't continue. So that's how it escalated was, he, he treated the vets one way and treated the younger players another. And the whole thing was just unacceptable. And, and I just, you know, for all of the, well, it doesn't seem that bad. And all like, I, I wouldn't want to, I would feel super uncomfortable with my superior looking, looking through my phone for four to five minutes. That's that's that, that in and of itself is super red flag uh, behavior. And so I, I don't, th- this whole idea of, you know, jumping to conclusions or the Blue Jackets in the NHL being too woke or whatever, nope. some of the stuff out there. No, this is completely unacceptable behavior for anybody. In any workplace. In any workplace, right? Like, you, that's, you, you, don't, you don't demand and use your position of authority to look through another human being's personal items. And, and you know, in this day and age, uh, a, a person's phone is as um, private and as, as you know, that, that that's... That's your domain. You don't get, whether you're a coach or a boss or a CEO, you don't get to do that. So I, I, I yeah, don't if think... someone asked me to do that, I would tell them to go fly a kite. And, and, and you probably could, and that's kind of why this is so problematic because it, it sure does feel like Coach knew that he had the power and he could kind of force this to happen and Puts but a also think about a how weird spot. it is. Like, what what kind of information is he gleaning from that? And really, what does like your phone and the photos on it might tell some, you know, story about your family or your activities or what you're up to? But if a 21 or 22 year old player has you know photos of him out at the bar, 
does that make him a not serious hockey player? Right. If uh, his brother has a bad haircut, does that make him a bad defenseman? I, I don't like I. Whatever the case might be, whatever you might be looking for that you think it might tell you, the assumptions are ridiculous. And and just the idea that, you know, the vet guys could hold control and maybe only show them what he, you know, what they wanted him to see. And the younger guys were subject to complete inspection. Um, it's it's odd and i just it's it's the whole thing is is no good yeah very problematic is there um is there more fallout from this or is babcock's resignation the the clean break do you i i know you wrote about this over the weekend is is there potential more fallout you know further up the chain with this blue there jacket should scheme? be but it doesn't sound like there's going to be um Blue Jackets owner John McConnell sent out a statement saying he's not contemplating any further hockey ops changes, quote, at this time. Uh, I thought the fact that he left the door open was interesting. Um, look, my reasoning for saying that there should be is he Yarmo Kekalainen has had an extended run there. Ten years, now entering an 11th season. It's a, it's a track record and run that most GMs aren't lucky enough to get, let alone to have only one playoff series win in that span. And you've missed the playoffs as many times as you've made them. Like it's a run of mediocrity. And for a team that is coming off of a 59 point season, 12 points fewer than their expansion franchise year in 2000, Hmm. This he needed to get this hire right. This was a critical hire, and he took his time and he waited until June for a team that finished playing in April, and he landed on Mike Babcock, and he landed on him knowing that he had red flags and that you knew that the first story that popped up that it was going to get ugly, and I think that's what people are are most sort of angry about is. This guy needed to be squeaky clean, and he he hasn't been. So why didn't he change? Why didn't he put in the work? This isn't cancel culture. You you canceled yourself first off. Yeah. Um. Th- the next thing is, after a run of mediocrity and then getting it this wrong and not making it to training camp, like why does like why is he being handed an eleventh season? People get fired for far less. Mm-hmm. Did uh, did Babcock, like, was that just a, a really good sell job by him going through the interview process? So. Like he He's a smooth operator. Yeah. He's, um, I don't know if you've talked to him on a one-on-one level or, or what throughout his stops in Calgary, but he's as, you know, he's as suave and smooth as it gets. He, he could talk a pit bull off a meat wagon. Um. <laughs> That's that's how he works. And it's why he's a sort of master manipulator. And it's probably part of the reason why he's had a lot of success. Um, the thing is, this isn't 2007 anymore. And you can't use some of the same tactics that you used to. And I think when a lot of people were saying before, oh, like, Johan Franzen, he's an isolated case. 
I think there's probably more to it than that. And there's a lot to sift through that. I think really the biggest story that's come out of this scandal is the fact that the players at a time when it would have been really easy to bail out your GM and your team president and your organization, they told the truth and told it like it was. I don't think that happens five years ago. Yeah. What? By the way, where's the NHL's whistleblower hotline? Like, wouldn't this have been the perfect way to use it? Yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole scenario is just so super weird. And, and the, the way that it started when this story first comes out and a week later, a little bit more than a week later, to, to where it is and, and how it escalated in Columbus's initial response to now their response here. And I guess, I guess it transitions us to the hockey side of it because... Here's Pascal Vincent, uh, Vincent, who doesn't doesn't get his first NHL coaching job the way that I think anybody would ever have envisioned it. But here he is as a head coach in the NHL for the first time. What do we know about him as he takes over in in a rather tumultuous spot? Oh, it's a really unenviable spot. Like there's kind of no tougher spot to jump into. You know, right on the eve of training camp. Oh, by the way come up with a, your system and put everything into place in 72 hours and we're on the ice and you've got a locker room that's reeling. It's, it's hard. Um, I feel for him. I think a lot of people around the league feel for him. He is a really well-respected coach, someone that has spent a lifetime in the game. Uh, he's 51, but was a long time and young head coach in the Quebec major junior league. He spent 11 years in the jets organization an AHL head coach and had lots of success with the moose um, came to Columbus two years ago when Brad Larson was hired as an associate coach. So elevated above an assistant and he's someone that um, has been knocking on the door of the NHL head coaching world for a while, but hadn't been able to get over the hump. And I think the crappy part is, not just inheriting it in this way, but also knowing that you were up for and available for this exact job, um, you know, in the summer that went to Mike Babcock. So you were bypassed and Columbus didn't think you were the guy then, but now all of a sudden you're thrust into the position. I would say the only positive, if there is one, is that this didn't happen mid season. I think Columbus kind of dodged a bullet on that front. And the other thing too is, Maybe there's some kind of galvanizing force that comes from this. Maybe these players know that they're in tough and they band together for a team that I, I actually really liked the moves that they made this summer. I liked the Provorov trade. Um, I thought the Severson addition was smart. Um, I, I think the young players that they've drafted from Kent Johnson to Fantilli to, um, you know, you saw the stumble and misstep with Cole Sillinger, like, They've got work to do, but they've got really nice pieces in place and coming on the back end. Um, Denton Matejchuk and uh, David Yurichek, a top five pick. Like they've got really, really good pieces coming. Maybe this binds them and bands them all together, and they come out and and surprise everyone. We're chatting with Frank Saravalli. He is our daily face-off NHL insider. Joins us Tuesdays on Flamestock, spinning you around the NHL. Um, didn't think you'd ever talk that much Columbus Blue Jackets, did you? No, I, I really didn't. And yet, uh, here they are. And, and I actually... 
feel really bad for the the some of the guys in that room and just like Boone Jenner. Yeah, poor. He Boone. got roped into it out of the yep. clear blue sky. Yep. He, his name gets mentioned on Spit and Chicklets, so he's brought into it, and then he feels like he probably has to defend his GM and president and add his name to the statement, and wasn't even given the full story. Yeah. Yeah. It's crappy. The whole situation just is is a really difficult one and and one that a team, as you mentioned, that's looking to bounce back did not need going into the start of the season. Um on some other notes and, and maybe some more positive notes, that uh that hype train for Connor Bedard is not gonna be uh slowing down anytime soon after his his rookie performance in those rookie games. Like it's just that just ramped it up to another level. <laughs> that that's that that hype train is in full force right now. Yeah, and maybe we should slow it down just a little. Like the competition in those games is not anywhere close to what the NHL level is, and certainly leveling up. There's going to be nights and moments that are going to be humbling. I'm sure. That said, I, I mean I couldn't be more impressed with Connor Bedard as a, as a whole. Um, I'm telling you right now, like pencil him in, not even with a pencil, put it in Sharpie 35 and 35 for 70. Okay. That's, that's the minimum. I think he's that good. And I think watching even the rookie tournament games, one thing that really isn't talked about enough is his skating. You know, you hear about the shot and you hear about the vision and everything that comes with his game, but he's a really strong skater too. And I think that's going to help him uh, in his transition to the NHL. But I, I think that's the, I think that's the minimum that he's hitting this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him do way more than that. So you've got this generational player in an NHL hotbed in the last two, gen- and I'm not trying to take shots at Edmonton or Pittsburgh, but in terms of markets, they're not Chicago. Chicago's a top three, top four media market in North America, and it's a massive media market for the NHL. Blackhawks fans are very, very rabid. Ratings in that city for Blackhawks games are very, very high on television. To have a generational player like this for the first time in ages go to an original six NHL hotbed organization like have we have we wrapped our head around what Bedard in Chicago might mean for the league yet? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you kind of saw this play out somewhat recently with Austin Matthews. Yeah, yeah, that's probably I the mean, last. That's probably the last one similar. Yeah, and I think that's probably on steroids a little bit because it's Toronto, and uh, with all due respect to the Blackhawks, like hockey is not football and it's not baseball. So that's probably your closest comparable point. Um, And Austin Matthews delivered. I mean, you think about his rookie year, four goal opening night, um, pretty special and hitting 40 goals. So, you know, the blueprint is there. Um, This Chicago team is going to struggle in a way that you saw the Leafs kind of building up and were able to hit the ground running, so to speak. Um, I think it was playoffs second year for Matthews, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And Chicago is going to be further away than that. But I 
I actually like what they did this summer. They added pieces for like nothing. Like Taylor Hall for free? Sure. Why not? Um, Nick Felino, Corey Perry, significant leadership presence. They've got a really long way to go. Like they're going to be a really bad team this year. But kind of like with Crosby and the Penguins, who who were terrible that first year, mm-hmm. um, you can begin to see that kind of come together, and that's what's really exciting. What uh, what are we hearing out of Vancouver? There's been some reports over the last 24, 48 hours from a few different spots that maybe the Canucks are uh, kind of pounding the. And by pain. the way, they did. The Leafs made the the playoffs in Matthew's first year. First year, mistaken. that's right. That's yeah. right. They did. Didn't they push Washington uh, in their first year? A little bit. Yeah. Um, what are we hearing out of Vancouver? Like, are, are some of these reports that are surfacing about the Canucks pound on the pavement, trying to make a deal? Is, is this what you're understanding as well? Yeah. I mean, I think they're snooping around. I think, uh, they have a little bit of flexibility. I think they want to try and improve their team. Um, I think the Tanner Pearson situation, um, you know, the way that played out last year was pretty ugly and the multiple surgeries and sort of the botched medical part of last year um, probably leaves everyone feeling a bit uncomfortable, not to mention his three and a quarter cap hit um, is probably too much. Um, He's entering the final year of his deal. I'm sure he'd like to go somewhere else. Uh, they'd like to get cap flexibility. They also have some flexibility with Tyler Myers having now paid the $5 million signing bonus that was due on September 15th. So last week, last Friday, they paid a $5 million check to Tyler Myers. So they're, I think they're hungry to, um, to do a little something. I think part of the issue is, you know, there's only so many teams out there that are really even willing to consider tinkering right now. Yeah. They want to know what they have. And, you know, that's kind of the tough part about the NHL is, you know, it takes you like three to four weeks to really get your head around it. You know, I always say like, take the first two weeks of results and throw them out the window. And by week four and five, you really kind of have an idea. And week six and eight, you can almost set the season in stone. That's how odd um, the hockey season kind of shapes up, but there's enough teams out there that are, are kind of happy and set that might be more difficult to do it. I mean, Shane Pinto in Ottawa, that seems like that situation is going to come to a head that they don't have the cap space to keep him. So if they're not moving him, they got to move someone else. Um, outside of that, I, I don't know how much is percolating. And finally, uh, just to bring it uh, back locally to the Flames, it was six days ago that both Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin spoke to us prior to the Flames' annual charity golf tournament. Both guys said they're willing to stay and open to returning, did it in you know different words and, and different tones, so on and so forth. But what did you make uh, comments from Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin about their potential futures with the Flames or elsewhere? I don't really put a lot of stock into it one way or the other. Um, They said the right things. um, And I think that was important. I mean, no one's going to come out and tank the situation either, which I think everyone has to keep in mind. Yes. At at the Flames charity golf outing, 
they're not going to step up there and say, I hate this place. I'm not coming back. Don't ask me again. And not to say that that's what they're feeling. It's just that you have to take um, what they did say in perspective. And I do think that Lindholm is open to the idea. But my thing is, if he really is, the Flames I know have put a, a real bona fide, legitimate, significant offer on the yep. table. Yep. What's holding him back? So is it is it just about money or is there something else to it? And I've said to you for the last month now that I think everyone wants to see what this feels like and looks like in the next few weeks yep. as camp gets going and the season starts. Good stuff, Frankie. It's going to be an interesting next few weeks on the Flames front to see if anything does happen between now and the start of the season and how that and story I'll be evolves. i in Calgary to check it all out next week. Oh, you're uh, you're heading out this way, hey? Yeah, I'm gonna stop in for a little training camp visit. Oh, nice. Well, uh, we'll have to uh, last see you, see if we can't get you uh, live with us at some point if it works out. Appreciate uh, appreciate the time this week, and uh, we'll see you out here next week. Hey, sounds good. Frank Saravalli is our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us Tuesdays on Flames Talk, Thursdays on the big show with the boys, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Barcast Hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Anything and everything Calgary Flames, it's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Steinberg hanging out with you on this Tuesday edition of the program. Aaron Vickers with us as well. Hello, A.V. How are we doing, Patrick? It's been a while. It has. It's been like uh, 13 hours since I last saw you beside me in a passenger seat. And I just want to compliment you on the job you did driving, getting us home timely and safe. Very much appreciate it, buddy. You are welcome. I'm happy to do so. Um, okay, look, if you haven't seen on social media, I didn't, uh, I didn't spoil it earlier. I wanted to still give those who are listening first or who have not had an opportunity to check Twitter or Instagram or uh, anywhere else for uh, news. There's been a lot of questions over the last number of weeks. Who's going to be the next color voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960, the fan? Who's going to be sitting beside Derek up in the broadcast booth for the coming season? We know uh, Peter Labardius, after 10 great years, has uh, departed and is taken on a brand new challenge as a reserve list scout with the Calgary Flames, ran into Lou in Penticton. So Lou is uh, now joining the Flames in a new role. And the brand new color voice of the Calgary Flames just happens to be a two-time Olympic gold medalist, a graduate of the University of Wisconsin, uh, an extremely accomplished uh, defenseman uh, with all kinds of international accolades on top of the two Olympic gold medalists, uh, two Olympic gold medals, rather, two world championship gold medals, and all kinds of other international hardware Honestly, we are so happy to have Megan Mickelson join the Sportsnet 960 crew and the Flames radio crew for the coming season as the new color voice of the Calgary Flames. And Megan joins us now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Megan, officially, welcome to the team. How are we doing? 
Uh, quite the introduction, Pat. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited. We are too. That's why. That's why though we wanted to make sure we uh, we gave a, a good introduction and made sure we knocked that part out of the park as well. How uh, how are you feeling as now the news is out there? How's the phone? How's the excitement? How are the nerves? All of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's been uh, it's been a pretty exciting day, and I think. You know, for me, this was, you know, a few weeks in the works. And so to finally have everything, it, you know, like you said, it's cats out of the bag. Everything's out there. And uh, it's fun to be able to share the news with everybody and, and make sure everyone knows how excited I am to be a part of this amazing broadcast. So take us through the, uh, take us through the process. How, how did this all come about? How did you moving into this role get to the point where now uh, we can check that box? Yeah, so I was actually, I was in Kelowna with my family this summer, and I was at the lake, and um, I'm also doing my MBA right now, so I was doing some schoolwork and uh, got a phone call and was asked if I would be interested in potentially auditioning for the position, and uh, to be honest, I was surprised, (laughs) a little bit surprised and and shocked, but it was something that I, I jumped at it immediately, obviously, You know, you look at the history in this city and with the Flames and the broadcast teams and, you know, the names uh, in the city here. And so for me to even be considered for the position was it was a a huge honor. So I've just been working uh, closely with the team at Sportsnet and um, had the opportunity to to call a game with Derek and uh, just kind of see, you know, if if it would be a good fit. And and luckily it, it has been. And. So to get to this point, it's, uh, like I said, it's been a process, but, um, you know, um, a process that I've welcomed and, and I've really enjoyed. And I'm just so excited that, you know, the news is finally out and get get things rolling this weekend. Well, it's it's, uh, it's funny. I was I was up there and, and I was I was with you while you and Derek were calling the mock game. And uh, and usually usually I've got a little bit more to do i'm you know either i'm working sound levels uh, on road games and that there was no background noise you were watching a game off of off of sportsnet plus and and um that was your uh that was your debut that was your that was your audition i i swear it's way better when games are live and uh when you actually have background noise at the ring calling it wherever you are it, it's way better that way you'll have way more fun i promise I, I, I would like to think so. I mean, I had a good time, but it kind of felt like we were calling a game in a, in a closet. <laughs> Which is <laughs> actually it, kind uh, of accurate. It, it, it turned out well. Yeah, it was good. Uh, what what excites you about a challenge like this? And, and what excites you about jumping into a role like this, Megan? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that excites me is, you know, having been a player myself and, um, you know, playing in women's hockey, I have a real appreciation for the fans. Um, So I know that, you know, the the listeners really value, um, you know, listening to the game. And and so for me, I take a lot of pride in in what I've done on TV the past couple of years is making sure that I'm doing my best to provide the absolute best analysis that I can um, for the viewers and, and now for the listeners. So I think for me, it's, it's really exciting. Um, and in radio in particular, um, I love the challenge of 
you know, the, the listeners, they're, they're listening, they're not watching. So, you know, it's our job to paint a picture for them of the game. So there's a little bit of that creative, um, artistic side to things as well, um, you know, that, that I'm really, really excited about jumping into. But for me, I've always been a, a really big video nerd. I would watch my shifts back and analyze them. And, you know, some coaches used to say it was like analysis uh, or paralysis by analysis. Like I would... I would watch games and, and break down plays and everything to a T. And so for that now to kind of be my job, <laughs> to yeah. be analyzing the game and, and be talking about it in real time, uh, it's something that I'm really, really looking forward to. And obviously working alongside Derek, he's absolutely incredible. And working with you and, and the entire team, uh, it's, I think it's going to be a great season. Kind of cool, uh, like it's a little little Mickelson family legacy. Your uh, your brother Brendan played with the team, and now here you are. That's got to be pretty cool joining a group, and and uh, there's there's a there's a little bit of a Mickelson and Flames connection now that uh, that goes too deep. Yeah, there is. I remember. I think it was back in in 2011, and I I came up here to train for a couple of weeks with Haley Wickenheiser, and my brother was with the Flames, and. Uh, I remember, you know, sitting in the dome watching him, and uh, now he's retired from playing. He lives in Calgary and is a part of the alumni, so it's really cool to to have those ties for sure. And uh, you know, I have my my teammate, good friend Rebecca Johnson, working in player development. So uh, it's been really cool to to immerse myself in the Flames community and and yeah. to really feel a part of it. We're uh, chatting with Megan Mickelson, the brand new color voice of the Calgary Flames for the coming season. And and for you, and, and I know you did some work with Sportsnet the last couple of years. You've been working with TNT over the last couple of years. And, and the ability to stay in hockey, which has been all you've known for the last, what, 20, 25 years, whatever the case may be. Like, it's it's been hockey, hockey, hockey. That's been the only thing. And now it's still hockey, but just a little bit different in terms of how you're applying it. How how big is that? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's incredible. My Like you said, my whole life has been hockey. My dad playing hockey, uh, my brother playing hockey, my husband was a hockey player, my kids now play hockey. Um, so being able to transition uh, and being so fresh out of playing as well. I mean, I played last season. Uh, so all of the, you know, the concepts of the game, the, the sort of new age, new age thinking and, um, you know, the different systems that are being implemented and skills that players are working on, they're really, they're fresh in my mind. So I think that that will be an advantage for me uh, moving up into the broadcast booth. But obviously hockey's been my passion my entire life. So to now think that, you know, it's been my job to play for the last 20 years, and now it's my job to analyze the game and to still be in the rink and around it and a part of it. Um, I really, really am lucky, uh, and I'm very, very thankful for this opportunity. You, uh, I, I know when you describe yourself, you talk about uh, your work and, and how much of a worker you are and how driven you are. And, and I just wanted to, because when, when we were doing that, uh, that test last month, um, I remember you talking about the grind trying to get ready for the 2022 Olympics and working your way back 
from your injury. Can you um can you just de- and I know you've you've got you you've you've talked about it before. It's pinned on your on your Twitter profile, so on and so forth. But can you just give us a a little bit of a sneak peek as to you know, how how much you worked and the grind that it took to get back to being able to almost make your uh, your final Olympic team in 2022? Yeah, honestly, it was, it was one of the toughest things I've ever gone through, but it's end up, ended up being, um, you know, a blessing as well because it's kind of what has allowed me to get into broadcasting. But in a nutshell, uh, so it was uh, seven months before the Olympics, and I was named to the official tryout roster for the Olympic team. Um, and two weeks after that tryout roster was announced, uh, I completely blew out everything in my knee except for the PCL. So ACL, LCL, MCL, lateral meniscus, medial meniscus. Um, and I was told that I had a 9 to 12-month recovery timeline. Um, I talked with Hockey Canada. They basically said that, you know, that was it for me. I wasn't going to make it back in time for the Olympics. I was no longer going to be on the tryout roster Uh, And I went back to them after consulting with a surgeon and and some other athletes that had gone through a similar injury. And I just asked them if I could just have a chance, a chance to come back, a chance to try, a chance to go through the rehab process and just be a part of the team and do everything I could to get myself back on the ice. Um, And luckily, Hockey Canada said yes. So I worked tirelessly and I made it back uh, to playing with the team just five and a half months after that injury happened. Um, so very expedited timeline, but it was, a, it was a grind day in and day out. Um, and ultimately, uh, I, I played three games before they named the Olympic team. Um, and realistically, there just wasn't enough time. Um, I did put myself in a position to, to be considered. Uh, and to even have gotten to that point was, was pretty incredible. So didn't make the team, um, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking. It was disappointing, but I knew going in the reality of my situation and I was just really proud of how hard I worked and what I had accomplished and even making it back onto the ice to play and, and playing at the highest pace. I mean, I played two games against the Americans and for anybody that's watched, you know, women's hockey can against the U S like those are fast physical games. Yeah. And so that was a, a huge accomplishment for me, but I guess the silver lining was instead of playing in the Olympics, I ended up broadcasting the Olympics for CBC. uh, And that's sort of what has catapulted me into this industry. But, um, you know, they say that everything happens for a reason. And I guess looking back, I I guess this, this might, this just might be it. Well, I I only, I asked that question because uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So this was six days ago at the flames charity golf classic and uh, we're, you know, we had finished doing some media with players, and there's head coach Ryan Huska. He just came and said, how you doing, Pat? How was the summer? Um, and, and we get to talking. He goes, oh, by the way, uh, who, who's the, the new color voice of the Flames? And, you know, I, I knew uh, Art. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm telling tales out of school. <laughs> but I was aware that this was the direction we were going, so I let the cat out of the bag to, to Ryan, and he goes, oh, that's awesome. And he, the, the first thing that he says is, 
Megan is going to work her tail off because you told a story about uh, you guys live in uh, the same area and he saw you during COVID uh, working out and trying to get ready for getting back to to game shape and working your way through that injury. He was, I could not believe how hard Megan was working and how much she was driving herself in the right, right smack dab in the middle of COVID where you had to be doing your own workouts. I, I just I wanted to tell that story because he was like, "Boy, she is uh, she's she's gonna be driven." Because I saw it firsthand with my own two eyes. Oh yeah, it was yeah. I remember that actually. And he was out there with his son, who was uh, doing the same thing. He was out there and, and working on on his game. But yeah, I was out there that day. I remember I was I pretty much bag skating myself <laughs> to try to stay in shape and and to get ready for a camp, but. I was never, you know, the most flashy player, and I always had to earn my spot on every roster that I made and played for. So I think that, you know, that work ethic has been instilled in me, and I try to bring it into absolutely everything that I do. So, you know, I think that in this role that will be no different. And, you know, I'm really driven to bring my best, um, you know, analysis and performance to the broadcast for our team um, and also for the fans. We're chatting with Megan Mickelson, new color voice of the flames. Let's uh, let's talk some hockey. What, uh, how are you feeling about the group for the coming season? Yeah. I mean, obviously there's been so much talk around all of the changes that have been made. And I think it's a really, it's an exciting time for this organization. You know, I've been a part of teams where there's been change that's happened from the top down and and that's what we're seeing here with, you know, new management, new coaches. Uh, And I think that ultimately it'll be, it'll be up to the players and the team. I think, you know, by the sounds of it, uh, Craig Conroy and Ryan Husker are doing a really good job of of setting the stage of what will be a really good environment for players uh, and, and a great culture uh, that, that could start to be built. And so I think, now it's up to you know the players, the leadership group, which uh, obviously is yet to be named. Um, and I think we'll see a lot more as things start to trickle down. Um, you know, it's it, it starts at the top, uh, but then you know at a certain point, once it's in the players' hand uh, hands, then it's something that that they're going to have to run with. But um, you know, a, a lot of exciting players coming in, obviously, and having watched the prospects tournament this past weekend. Uh, and a lot of uh, pressure as well on some of the vets coming back to kind of step their game up. So uh, it's an exciting time, I think, you know, for the city, for the fans, um, and for the players too. It's, I mean, if I were a player going into that situation, it's it's almost like it's it's a fresh start. It's a clean slate, um, and I think that when you have that, there's that, you know, rejuvenation of energy and excitement. And, you know, I think that that's what this team needed. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting start, I think. When you, and, and even just relating to back when, when you were playing, you know, you've got numerous guys that will come into this season with chips on their shoulders. There's, there's, you talked about um, a different vibe around the team. How can, things like that translate positively onto the ice? Yeah, I think that, you know, the older players, those that are coming back, um, 
you know, they, they experienced what they went through last year. And so obviously there's a lot of motivation for them to, to turn things around. But then again, when there's younger players coming in that, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of them talk over the past, uh, you know, couple of days here about, um, you know, wanting to go in and, and really prove themselves and, and play well and, and earn a spot. So there's, it's almost like there's that, you know, the motivation from the, the older players, the top end players, and then the push from the, the bottom end coming up and uh, there will be some, some really healthy competition. So I think that, you know, ultimately within a team, it's what you really have to balance is, you know, making sure that there is healthy competition, but there's also, you know, a really good positive environment and culture where at the end of the day, everyone's a part of the same organization. Everyone's a part of the same team. So, you know, there's a lot of different dynamics, especially heading into a training camp, everything that happened last year. Um, But I think that if it's managed properly, which again, will I think will be a lot up to the leadership group um, and each and every player um, that's coming in. I think that, you know, really, really good things could come out of, um, you know, the player pool that they have here. I, uh, as, as we start to wrap up, it's funny, like as you were giving that last, um, that last answer, I see one of our phone lines lighting up and I immediately go to cam and I say, can we pick that line up right now? Just to make sure I, can we bring, uh, can we bring line two into the conversation as well, Cam? Because uh, there's a, a special guest who is with us on line two right now. Uh, welcome to the program. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let our uh, special guest introduce themselves right now. Hey, yeah, this is uh, Brendan here. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I got a question for Megan there. Um, I'm just wondering which player she's looking forward most to to shredding this year. Which Flames player is she absolutely looking forward to burying? That's all. Thank you. See, <laughs> Brendan, I, I wonder who that was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know never if heard it's... heard that voice before. I have no idea who that, that could be. Right. I'm just a uh, little, little long in the day here. I'm at the Acumen Capital headquarters here, so mine's going a little sideways. I figured I'd call in and throw a little wrench at things here. <laughs> Pretty, uh... You don't have to answer that, Megan. Oh my gosh! For anyone listening, that's my brother, my little brother. <laughs> former, thank, thank you. That's thank uh, you. that's former Flames winger Brendan Mickelson. How uh, how 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 cool is this to see uh, to see Megan get this gig, Brendan? It's uh, you know I'm I'm not surprised at all. As she mentioned earlier on in the interview, uh, you know the meticulous nature to, uh, to how she does things, how she goes about everything in her life. It's it's not surprising. This is a great role for her. I think the Flames fans are going to really enjoy um, all the analysis, all the the play-by-play, the you know the, the you know the painting the picture as she mentioned. Uh, so I think they're really going to enjoy that and uh, really really add a lot to the broadcast. That's uh, that's cool that you're listening and uh, and called in. Thanks uh, thanks for doing that, Brendan. Yeah, for sure. Have a good one. See you, man. That's uh, see there there you go. Now now. Uh... Now you've uh, oh got a tu- you got a tough question to answer right off the bat. Who are you? Uh, he he nailed it first time, long time. It's like it's <laughs> like he it's like he's listened before. It's like he practiced it or something. <laughs> oh my gosh! 
That's uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool that he called. Honestly, I saw the call display. I'm like, okay, well, we better pick that up right away because uh, I uh, I recognize that last name as well. Um, how how excited are you to get going here? We we are we're on the air for the first time on Sunday. How how stoked are you to get going? Oh, I'm pumped. I'm I'm chomping at the bit. I think it it kind of feels like it's I'm playing the first game of the season. So I think that, you know, obviously the fans are super excited and, and I hope they know that how excited we are as well. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be awesome to get to the rink for the first day on, on Thursday for me, now that the news is out and, and just be around everybody and, and make sure that we're prepped and ready to go. So I'm chopping at the bit. Looking forward to it. Congratulations. Uh, I'm glad that uh, your phone's been blowing up in a positive way and uh, it'll be awesome to uh, it'll be awesome to have you on board this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, congrats and enjoy the rest of the week. We'll see you on Thursday down at the Dome, eh? Awesome. Thanks so much, Pat. Megan Mickelson, that's your new color voice of the Calgary Flames, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. That is, uh, honestly, I think that um, I'll I'll be, I'll I'll break kayfabe just a little bit um, and and pull the curtain back a little bit just in terms of, you know, where, where, my head is uh, my head has been at industry wise and you know you 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 lose a guy like Lou who did this job for 10 years and just knocked it out of the park the way he did and you're like okay so which way are we going to go and we know that the sports industry the broadcasting industry the journalism industry is not necessarily the most flush and we see cuts everywhere both sides of the board it's a tough time to work in this industry so i was like where where is this gonna go and uh for us to go and and you know i I know that the i know the search that we put out and i know the the people that we talk to and and uh, i just to to go and get a you know we're talking about a bona fide resume with multiple world championship and Olympic gold medals and a 20 year playing career at the highest level and representing our country at the highest level. I just, I just think it's, it's, it's a really encouraging hire in that respect that we went out and, and it kind of, you know, there's been departures from this station or firings at that station or shutting down that entity or whatever. And for us to go and do this, it just, it's a really, really encouraging day. I think it's an absolute home run hire. I really do. Uh, and, and I'm super stoked to, to start for the first, for the first time. I'm not the youngest person on flames radio, which is, uh, which is awesome. Uh, I just, and, and, you know, Megan sharp and she doesn't take any garbage. And I just, I'm, I'm super, super excited to to start things off. It's uh, I, I think I think for what we needed to replace, I, I just I think we absolutely nailed it. So I'm I'm super excited for it. I mean, you look at the resume: two two time Olympic gold medalist, a silver on top of that, two time world champion, two time NCAA champion, a W or a CWHL championship to boot, TV broadcast experience on both sides of the border. Few can break down the game like Megan Mickelson with her experience. Her international resume, as you mentioned off the top, is is second to none. The station's lucky to have her. I'm really curious, really excited to have her calling games alongside Derek Wills. 
That's your uh, big announcement. And our first game on Flames Radio is Sunday, the preseason opener at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Megan will be on the call with Derek Wills starting on Sunday. Thanks to Megan. Little uh, extra, little extra addition there of Brendan Mickelson joining in as well. That was cool. Uh, Megan joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline as we start to wrap up this hour for Megan Mickelson and Frank Saravalli for Aaron Vickers and, of course, for Taylor and Cam, our producers this hour. Uh, we've been coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit DLBasementSystemsCalgary.com.